You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Surprise! Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and uh, we want to try something a little bit different. We've been talking about this for a while. Um, so we actually just switched to every other week podcast, but we figured let's throw in something once a month that's a little bit extra. So yeah. it's um, a lot of times on the podcast, we're referencing books and apps and websites we're visiting and trails we went hiking on in some of our favorite parks. And uh, even though we want to, we don't want to take away from our guests and really dive into how much we love some of this other stuff. Yeah, we, we skim over it, yeah. really. We <laughs> yeah, really it's like, do. oh, we kind of throw a shout out here and there. But um, we figured, you know what, these are really great resources that kind of formed our opinions on nature and plants and all those things. So maybe we should share those with our, our audience. Yeah, and, and so that's why we're here today. We're going to launch the first of these mini episodes, and our plan is, like Tom said, to do one a month uh, just on one single topic. Um, for instance, we, we plan on having one on our favorite nature apps or our favorite national parks, um, that that type of thing. And and before I present the one we're going to do today, I, I kind of have a little surprise for you. Oh, so, okay. So on the last <laughs> podcast with uh, Maura Duffy of the National Aquarium, Tom introduced a new segment um, about you know what looks good at, at the nursery yeah. today. Yeah. So um, we did that in the last one, and it was Lobelia Cardinalis. So I thought mm-hmm. we could do that today, but I was tasked with coming up with a jingle. <laughs> yes, so yes I, you were. So I have a, uh, an intro jingle, so before we do it, there you go it's that's hot that's that's who did the voice in that that's paris hilton it is paris hilton okay i know that's her phrase i wasn't sure if you tried to replicate it i don't know if it's just you in a falsetto or no that's actually her i don't know if we're gonna get in trouble for that but that's that's the cue for our that's hot so you you kind of did last one i thought what i noticed today out on the nursery and it's actually right outside our window mm-hmm. the new york aster is, yeah. is in yeah. bloom and is looking spectacular and that to me is always a sign that fall is probably almost here but really to me it means that it's here like thing weather's starting to get a little bit cooler and yeah it was it was definitely that signal for me like as soon as i saw it i was like wow we are at that time of the year mm-hmm. so uh you know very versatile plant a, another facultative wet um can take wet can take dry but uh you know, that's one of those late late summer, early fall blooms that just kind of signals that time of year. Yeah, so. and I always like the purple with the asters and the yellows of the goldenrods. Even though it is like the end of summer, start of fall, going into later in the fall, it's a really great color combo when you can get see like kind of fields of those. It's it's pretty cool. It's great. So I'm glad we could. I, I love this idea because you're right. We really have moved away from just talking about native mm-hmm. plants. So we, we really should incorporate that. So I love that that we're doing that we get to talk mm-hmm. about what's looking good right now so that was a good selection and that concludes our new segment that's hot <laughs> that's hot <laughs> all right so anyway while we're here today is for our mini episode we wanted to talk about uh, some of our favorite nature books yeah so we've referenced a ton of books through the first 21 episodes um a lot of the ones we're going to talk about today so i don't want to spoil too much but uh we even had a few authors on 
two, yeah. I guess, and two. soon to be three. Yes. Um, and we plan on having more authors on in the future because that's how so many people get their information about native plants is through just lit or literature. And, and we love reading those books, too. I mean, that's important for us as well. Now, I'm not a very voracious reader, and because we do this for a living, I tend to – I read I read a lot of books on music. That's mm -hmm. my – a lot of autobiographies on, on music. So I I work them in, but I wish I had more of a vast knowledge. That's part of my goal is yeah. to and, and improve I've on found, that. I used to read a ton. As a kid, I was – that was like my, my trademark because I just read – all the time and read everything and as i've grown older i read a lot less but i did find i read a lot when i travel on planes and obviously i haven't done that in a while so i haven't been reading as much lately as i, I typically would but um but with that yeah how do you even we... find time now with a, a young Ooh, one yeah. that's that's I, that's difficult you know what my wife really kind of set the president here but she um she started doing and she's an english teacher so she reads a lot already yeah. but it was with the same thing she's had so many things she wanted to do and now we have a, a three-month-old running around or not even really crawling around just laying, ar laying, laying around, around. <laughs> but um so and she's like well i want i need to do stuff with him i don't have hands free to read a book so she's actually listened to a lot of audiobooks oh okay. so i started doing that as well uh just kind of just dipping my toe in a little bit and I feel bad saying that I read something because I didn't actually read it. I listened to it, but no, nah, that's you know I I have to. I'm such a slow reader because I have to visualize everything I'm reading, and if I can't get like an exact visualization, I have to go back and read it. Mm -hmm. So I may reread the same three pages like five times until I can. That's why I, I tend to read a lot of nondescriptive things because it's mm -hmm. easier for me to do that. But it's. Um, I had tried audiobooks and couldn't – like a long time ago when I traveled a lot, and I just couldn't get into it. But now that I'm so into podcasts, mm -hmm. I, I bet you maybe my attention span has changed. Maybe yeah. I can – Oh, yeah, and that's the same thing for me too is it's, it's hard to just find the time to read. But then knowing, oh, I could be listening to this. I could be doing that. And um, what I'll find is I'll, I'll listen to podcasts or books really when I'm doing yard work or, or – um, mowing the lawn is when i actually that's, listen to a ton of them that's and uh it's i'm doing something with my hands where i conventionally couldn't read a book but i'm able to consume it through my ears and, and same for me as well it's yeah. mowing the lawn for me is a huge one yeah i, I get really caught up when i'm yep. mowing the lawn yep. yeah sometimes i wish the lawn was a little bit bigger <laughs> not in like a bad way but just so i had more time to, to, listen, to listen to some stuff but with that why don't we kick off our list and this is our favorite um i guess native plant book list yes yeah, and it's and it's you can always add to this one, but these are some good basics. We mm -hmm. thought we'd start out with some. So um, the first one, you want me to go? Do you yeah, want? Yeah, you can you can kick it off. So the first one, we thought one book we reference on probably every other podcast, and the one that most people talk to us about is "Bringing Nature Home" by Dr. Doug Tallamy, and it really brought it it made native plants a household name and mm -hmm. and it kind of explains what's happening in your own yard and makes it relatable um to a point where i think people understood it and it made things click for them yeah he he really was the i don't want to say the first champion but the one that made it mainstream isn't even the right word too but if you go to a native plant conference and you said hey what's your favorite book about native plants or revolving around native plants i would probably say it's Probably close to nine out of ten would reference him. That might be the only book they've read that that references native plants that much. I I agree, and and I would love. I think our dream is to have Dr. Tallamy yeah. on on this podcast. So yeah, we've been a little hesitant in sending out the invite. We wanted to get a little build up a little steam, 
uh, have a bit of a resume before we invited him on because he is a, a bigger name in this space. But so I think we're big enough. We could I, probably do it now. I think we could do it now, and we're well versed enough mm-hmm. to have a intelligent conversation with yeah, them. So, yeah. and that actually kicks off to probably I have this as book one A on this list because it's the same author. Also, Dr. Doug Talmy, he just came out with a, a newer book. I think it was this past spring called Nature's Best Hope. Um, yeah, it's Nature's Best Hope or Nature's Last Hope. I, I think I, it's Best Hope. I should have done the research before this. So Nature's Best Hope and. Uh, basically, that one is kind of like a last call. Hey, saying, "Hey, we've I wrote this first book, and you didn't didn't quite follow what I was putting down yet. <laughs> this is really we're running out of time here. We need to convert." He he really put down some strong points, saying we need to have seventy percent of our yards be native plants. You can have the non-native stuff, but it needs to be primarily native, and and we definitely can't plant the invasive stuff because that's hurting the native plants. Um, and he also introduces the concept of homegrown national park, uh, which is really um, basically just everyone can be a part of. You can just start by turning half of your or 70% of your landscape into native plants. And now you're creating habitat for all kinds of insects and birds and just different animals. And similar to those national parks that we are so familiar with out west, like Yellowstone and Yosemite and those kind of places. But we can have it right in our backyard if enough people do it. I, I agree, and it's a great it it's a great call to arms mm-hmm. almost. So um, the next one, and you're going to be familiar with with some of the ones we talk about. The next one was actually a guest on the podcast, Doctor Enrique Sala, uh, Sala with the Nature of Nature or Why We Need the Wild. Um, he kind of take, takes what Doctor Talamy is doing, uh, explaining on a local level, but but explains it on a global level, and and I think it's very simplified. And he he starts from the beginning with what's an ecosystem and what's mm-hmm. a native plant and and expands out all the way through the globe so you can understand why what we're doing impacts another country or what what they're doing impacts us and how it affects our waters and kind of links everything together in a way that kind of makes a light bulb click over your head like oh yeah <laughs> yeah and when we were first approached to actually have uh, dr sal on the podcast um about his book and and we got the pre-release of it which was the first time that ever happened to me and i think you, you too yeah. where we ever got a yeah. pre-release book um, so we were pretty excited about that, but in the back of my head, I'm saying, well, but what if the book's not very good? <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah. I think just even within the first couple pages, I was pleasantly surprised saying, this isn't just not bad. It's it's actually really good, and it does a great job of explaining not just how we're doing and the mistakes we're making. It also gives solutions, and not just ecological solutions, but also economical solutions, and how by creating uh, ocean sanctuaries where you can't fish, it creates a spawning area where more fish can can reproduce, and then, then you have more fish, and they're not just going to stay in the sanctuary. They're going to go out, and that's you actually create a healthier fishery, which has economic benefits, including the ecological benefits. And you get the tourism as well. Yeah. So it's – you know, he, he really – you know, and, and this is another one where, where he's saying we're running out of time, and mm-hmm. we really need to preserve 50 percent of the world's natural resources to, 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 keep, to keep going the way we're going before we lose too much. So mm-hmm. – um, a lot of these have a very similar theme, but there's different takes um, and make you think in different ways, and that's the whole purpose of it. Um, you want to do that? Yeah, so the one after that that we had on here was A New Garden Ethic um, by Benjamin Vogt, another one of our, our early guests on the podcast and um, and one of our most listened to episodes, so we kind of had to put him on here. Yes, <laughs> yes. But um, And it's he's become a big name in this native plant movement as well because he really frames – 
native plants in an ethical dilemma, not necessarily, oh, you, we got to help the bees and butterflies. It's like ethically, if you aren't helping them, you're you're doing wrong. In a yeah, way. you know, it's, it's it's really morally. Um, he he really talks about changing your mindset, uh, mm-hmm. changing the paradigm, and really thinking of everything differently, and and that to stop considering yourself as above nature and mm-hmm. instead of just part of all of nature. Um, and and he goes through all the different reasons why you should do that, why it's necessary for you to do that. Now, Dr. Salas book I read in like three days. It, mm-hmm. it, it took with, – with Benjamin's book, it took me much longer because it was so dense and so philosophical. Mm-hmm. I, I really had to stop and think yeah. <laughs> about oh, yeah. what he was saying. And, and absorb it. So it's a great book for – it's it's real easy to lay out scientifically why you should do it, but mm-hmm. he explains ethically why yeah. you should do it. Yep. So And that really leads us into our next book really well. As, as, and, uh, Fran, I'll let you bring that one up. I, I think this one's the father of, of the whole movement, to be honest. If, if you go back to the land ethics essay from uh, a Sand County Almanac by Aldo Leopold, uh, you know, I really consider him – the father of land ethics and that that essay is something that's taught in college at at this point um for for ecology so it's you know at a time when i don't think many people were thinking about this (laughs) he was thinking Mm -hmm. about it and making a very clear case um for why land ethics are so important and it's inspired so many people yeah and it's so full of quotes that you might not even be uh or know could be attributed to leopold um one of my favorites, just one of his quotes, I don't, I don't remember if it's from the book or not, was that um, it's so important, and I'm probably butchering this in a way, but it's so important for people to grow or spend time living on a farm so that they understand that their breakfast doesn't come from the grocery and their heat doesn't come from the wood stove. Yeah. It's, it's knowing that it's coming from somewhere just because you weren't a part of that process doesn't mean that that process doesn't exist. Exactly. So it, it's it's a great way to to phrase it, and that that kind of leads in a little bit to our next topic. So those are five five of our favorite books. We mm-hmm. thought we would list a couple kind of outside of the frame of horticulture that are relatable. Um, the first one for me, I Tom has a lot more than me. Mm-hmm. I had one. My my big one was Walden or Life in the Woods by Henry David Thoreau. So. Uh, back in the mid 1800s, it, it's it's really a reflective piece about self reliance and simple living, and where it all begins. And and just um, you know, it's it's humorous. It's it's almost editorial uh, in so many ways, and it it really reflects on the mindset that Benjamin Vogt talks about mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah. as to why we need to do these things. So, um, very very short book and quick read. If if you get a chance, if you haven't read it add that to your your reading list yeah and and some of the ones that i thought of when that i think are so they kind of sing the same or similar messages as what we've been talking about the first one is doesn't have to do anything with horticulture at all um and that was a book called plastic a toxic love story and if you listen to our last episode episode 21 uh you know you know i kind of got on the whole plastic bit and the national aquarium is really on on uh limiting the use of plastics because uh, really, uh, if you go back, I don't want a uh, hundred years would be the what I want to say, but it's really probably 120, 140 years, 150 years. Plastics didn't really exist. There weren't 
plastics. And yeah. you think of just common everyday items. Uh, actually, the author um, is Susan uh, Frankel. I'm probably screwing up her name, but um, she starts the book, or telling she starts the book by telling her writing process now. Her first thing is she was going to go an entire day without using any plastic, and she realized that she failed within the first 10 minutes <laughs> numerous times because she hit the button on her alarm clock, she shuts the doorknob to her bathroom, she sat on the toilet seat. Yeah. All those things are plastic, even if just a little small component of them, and there's just so minute things in our everyday life that we don't think about, but they, one, aren't possible without plastic, and then she gets into the whole single-use plastic debate and goes into straws and and uh that's where i got the stat about the uh single-use plastic shopping bags oh, where that right. and that was this book's probably 10 maybe even more or 10 years old maybe I, even older than i that. i could have talked that whole episode with mara oh, about yeah. that one you yeah. know one of the things that i had seen that i i meant to ask but we were just running short on time was mm -hmm. i had seen where someone was repurposing plastic water bottles to make floating islands yeah and i thought yeah. it might have been the national aquarium i would i would it, think that would fit what they're doing yeah and there yeah. was something i think in the the baltimore harbor too where it was sifting out plastic they, they had this like conveyor machine that was sifting out plastic and they were taking the plastic and repurposing them for floating islands mm -hmm. if i remember and i wanted to talk about that we're, we're gonna have to have more back on yeah, yeah. I, and that's our plan is to have a lot of these people back on to kind of have Hey, let's talk about well, let's talk about plastic. Let's talk about uh, monarchs. Talk about all these things, and just kind of have a panel instead of just one person or two people talking about their organization. And, and those will be coming up. I think yeah. this winter we're oh, talking yeah. about having some of those. It'll be more like a roundtable episode, mm -hmm. a one-topic yeah. roundtable. Yeah. So, so right now uh, you just get us. Yeah. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah. So two of the other ones that I just well, one I read and really liked. The other one I'm planning on reading, but my dad cannot. He he probably read it like ten years ago. He can't stop talking about mm -hmm. it. The first one was American Buffalo by Stephen Ronella. Um, and he's both kind of nature-centric books. His book is really goes into the history of the, the buffalo, revolving around his uh, – he actually had a tag to hunt a buffalo in Alaska. Okay. Um, but uses that to dig into the history, like even prehistoric records of buffalo and all the different species there were and then how they actually faded out of the American landscape and what they're trying to do to, do to bring them back. Um, so it's kind of hops back and forth between present day when he's actually in the Alaska wilderness looking for these buffalo and then going back 20,000 years and oh, wow. 2 million years and uh, even the initial hunters in the United States like 10,000 years ago and uh, the people like the Clovis people inventing Clovis points. So it's a really interesting book. It doesn't talk much about plants, but it really talks into how our American landscape became what it is today all centered around uh the the buffalo or, or bison bison is their oh, latin name that's very pertinent it's, mm -hmm. it's very pertinent and exactly. um the other one was big oyster and this is one of my dad's favorites and that's by a fellow named mark kurlansky and uh it really revolves around the oyster and then um new york city and how the oyster was so important for new york city's uh economy and just um how really the whole city kind of revolved around the oyster until it declined. I think it even goes into the history a little bit about how it used to be uh, like the bays were full of oysters and you had salt marshes and that's not the case in New York City anymore. So it goes into what New York City used to look like, how important the oyster was, how it cleaned the water, how the oyster kind of vanished, and then how they're actually using the oyster in ways to bring back and, um, and clean waters, even right here in New Jersey and New York. So uh, pretty cool. And the, the next segment we had was Wait, things actually, that were... Actually, can I add one? Oh, yeah. yeah I just thought as you were talking... I, I thought of another great one just based on 
the, the books oh, that you were yeah, recommending. Yeah. So there's a book called uh, – I had to look it up real fast because I didn't want to butcher it. Yeah. Uh, Poplar Island, My Memories as a Boy by uh, Peter Bailey. So mm-hmm. Poplar Island um, was a group of three islands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, three islands in the Chesapeake Bay. The main island, which I believe was 1,300 acres or 1,100 mm-hmm. acres, that eroded away down to, I think, 10 acres or less than 10 I think acres. it was five. five. Yeah. So um, that barrier island once housed a presidential or a hunt club that I think Truman um, and yeah, uh, FDR, and was FDR member were members. Or many centers. It's not too far from, from Washington, D.C. So, so. Uh, uh, Peter Bailey's family is who ran, I think, the, uh, the, the lodge, the lodge. I think from like the fifties up until it closed, and now the the uh, Army Corps of Engineers they're mm-hmm. they're dredging the Chesapeake Bay and they're recreating it. Now it's going to be a much different island, I believe. After the Hunt Club kind of went under, um, it got all the trees got cut for for yeah. for yeah. wood, and that's kind of what led to the erosion. So they're rebuilding. It's going to be a different island, but they're I think in it's a twenty year project. It was over three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I think they're in year eight of the project, right around there. Yeah. So it's it's a it might even be year twelve. Year yeah, I, I can't believe I forgot about that one because that and it's another one. It's um it's not by a professional author. It's incredibly easy to read, and it's really just a story that I think a lot of people can re- relate to. Of how a boy growing up on this really remote island, I think there used to be a town there, and it was only yeah. maybe less than a thousand people that lived there. And just due to, well, I guess, the water level rising and, yeah, and they, erosion, they ended up all leaving, and there was just this one lodge that was yeah, left. They relied on outsiders coming in, but it was his life fishing and, and looking for oysters yep. and crabbing and crabbing and yeah. just living life on an island in the bay that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very fitting in in that way of, yeah. of what you have and how quickly it can be gone. Yeah, so. yeah. So awesome. now moving on to things that we're excited to read, and um, I'll I'll start with uh, if people probably if they listen to the same podcast I do, they probably know where a lot of my book recommendations come from. But uh, one of them is the North American Model of Conservation, and that's by Shane Mahoney and Valerius Geist. And um, a lot of people might be surprised to know that how we manage our wildlife, specifically our game species, but uh, our wildlife as a whole is much different than what happened in uh, in Europe and, and Asia, where uh, in Europe and Asia, basically, if you own the land, you owned all the game on the land. And that's why if you think of stories like Robin Hood and those, um, a lot of those uh, medieval type stories, you hear, oh, someone sh- was, was sentenced to death because they shot a deer off the king's land. And whoever owned the land owned the animals. And that's not the case here. It's Even though we might own a farm and there might be deer and rabbits and, and um, uh, game species on that farm, that doesn't mean we own them. They own, belong to the American people. And uh, so someone who lives in New York City has just a right to, just as much of a right to those animals as I do, even though they might be sitting down or, or walking around on the property I own. And it's, uh, it's something to keep in mind how it's so different. And it's uh, um, Canada does... A sim- has a similar model. It's not just uh, the United States, but it's very different than a lot of other places in the world. Nice. Um, another one I'll bring, or two I'll bring up by the same author as a, a fellow, Dan Flores. I think it might be Dr. Dan Flores. And he has a book called American Serengeti and another one called Coyote America. Two books I've been meaning to read. They've been out for a while. I've been meaning to read and I just haven't yet. Um, the American Serengeti goes back to uh, prehistoric times again and kind of talks about the large mammals that, or large animals that lived in the Great Plains of the United States um, and how 
we had elephants and we had camels and we had big lions and those kind of things here the animals you think about today in africa we had similar species right here in north america and uh we no longer do but it kind of digs into that um coyote america kind of talks about the history of coyotes and how they are so good at colonizing areas so quickly and um so not again not plant related but your your yeah. list is much longer than mine. I have one. <laughs> I, I have a lot of books I need to read that I I have one. I said I couldn't go on planes so I can't read all these. <laughs> I uh cuz I'm such a slow reader I tend to to just think one book ahead of a time. So mm. the one I just cracked open is Planting in a Post-Wild World with uh, by Thomas Rayner and Claudia West, Claudia West, and we both know Claudia, mm-hmm. uh, and we're actually excited to say she's a future guest on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's going to be on uh, probably by the end of October. Uh, that episode will air, so we're really excited to have Claudia on. Um, but I'm I've just started reading it. I'm I'm not that far into the book, but I'm already drawn in. Mm-hmm. So I, and it's another book I I probably should have read since especially since I've uh, met. Thomas Rainier, the co-author, and I've known Claudia for a long time, and I'm kind of embarrassed I haven't read it yet. Yeah, uh, me too. Especially me now too. that we're having them on. <laughs> yeah, so. me too. I that's so I I have I have the book. I've started reading it, um, and I'm loving it so far. And I'm it's one of those things. As soon as I dig in, and I'm loving it, I I mm. feel ashamed that I hadn't read it yet. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, I probably should have done this years and years ago, but. But uh, better late than never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last couple I had was. Um, there's another book by Mark Kerlansky called Salmon, which digs into the same thing as Big Oyster. It dug into oysters in New York City. This digs into salmon in the Pacific Northwest and uh, kind of the rise and fall and now how we're trying to bring that population back up and how it doesn't just matter what happens in the water. This is a trending topic over the last couple podcasts. It's not what happens in the water that affects the salmon. It's what happens on land, too. And uh, all these things kind of build up into one big ecosystem, even though... Um, some of these species will never even see each other. What one does affects the other. Yeah. Uh, and two others that I'd, I'd only really heard of, and, and I figured when I was looking up uh, some of the books I wanted to include, I'm like, yeah, you know, I should probably say something about them. There's one called Braiding Sweetgrass, which was written by a Native American woman named um, Robin Wall Kimmerer. And um, she really uses her Native American roots to kind of show how uh, other organisms were our our oldest teachers and not not just animals but also plants too can teach us a lot of lessons um so it's kind of philosophical and scientific at the same time and uh the last one i'd heard of was called the hidden life of trees and that's by peter well this one this is the last name i'm probably gonna (laughs) say right wall wall laban is my guess Um, and it really went same kind of trend it was scientific but also kind of mythical and it talks about how forests um, there's some new research that's saying the forest could be a social network and it's not this tree does has no clue that this other tree exists, that there's actually some communication that goes on in forest settings. So I think I would like to read that that's one, That's probably actually. further down my list of when I'm going to be able to read them. This is, we're talking years before I read all but <laughs> I, that one, books. But that one may move well, up on my list, yeah. uh, which is only one book. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number two on my list. But, yeah, so... I guess the big thing is we want to know what you guys think. Um, have you read any of the books that we've talked about? Uh, what did you think about them when you read them? Um, is there any books that we missed that we're like, oh, how the heck did they leave that off their like canon tenets of of native plant reading? How the heck did they forget about this one? I'm sure I mean, there's a ton we forgot. I mean, Tom, you introduced me to a ton of books yeah. I didn't know anything about that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I need to get. 
I need to get reading. Yeah, and even as I was looking around just in our office here, as I was typing up some of my suggestions, I'm like, oh, I'm looking at some of the Xerxes Society books, which are more technical. And I see a book from Heather Holm, which is is a little bit more technical. And uh, those are more insect and and bee-focused. I'm like, "Uh, maybe we're going to have to do another book episode about if you want a reference to plants and insects, these are what the ones you need to look at. Oh, we could. Uh, I, this this whole one topic thing is never ending. Yeah, we could probably yeah. do these forever. I'm sure. But but like I was saying, if we miss something or there's a, a book that you read and you say, hey, you know, what? I read that book and I didn't think it was as good. Let us know. Send us an email. It's info at nativeplantshealthyplanet.com, or you can join our Facebook group and make a post there. Leave a comment on this this uh, episode uh, post in there. Uh, we want to hear your feedback, and we also want to know. Um, what other things you want to know about as well. So uh, we're going to list the links to these books on our, our nativeplantshealthyplant.com yeah. Facebook, or not Facebook page, uh, web page. And uh, so if you, you're you interested in, in learning more about braiding sweetgrass or, or one of the books that we referenced, well, you can be able to find it on there. Yeah, we'll probably just link it to Amazon, but at least you'll have yeah. the name and the author There's of the book. There's another website I found, and we might link it through here too, that it was um, – I don't remember the name of the website now, but it was basically uh, a network of like independent bookstores that sold through this platform. Okay. And because uh, cool. that's another that. thing, like right now, oh, Amazon's going to be okay. I, I'm not but, an Amazon hater, but some of these independents that can't get the foot traffic they're used to, they might I'm, not be okay. I'm come a out of this. big fan independent. So if know. they have the link for some of these books on that website, if I can find it, then we'll link them we'll there. If it. not, we'll, we'll throw it up on I, Amazon. I love that thought. I love that thought. So, and let us know what you, you think about yeah. this short form uh, version of the podcast. Um, you know, we always have fun recording this. Tom and I, you know, it's this is only the third time that it's been Tom and I without a guest, and the first mm-hmm. one was just the intro. Yeah. Uh, episode one, I think episode three when we did our social distancing, and actually episode one is our second most listened to episode, and yeah. and oh, yeah. social distancing it just fell out of the top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know if you'd like to hear more of this, um, let us know. Um, we're all ears. We'll we'll take suggestions if you have a topic that you want to hear. Uh, uh, or what you want to call? We're even we we yeah. still don't know what we're calling these short yeah. form form podcasts. You'll know when we publish it. <laughs> yeah. We we don't know. Well, what, we might not, not even know by then. Yeah, <laughs> I we have no idea. Yeah. We we have to come up with with a name. At least we mm-hmm. have a name for our segment about yeah. Yeah. what what's hot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, send us your ideas. Uh, if we pick your idea. Um, We'll we'll give a prize. I don't know what the prize is yet. Yeah, but oh, we'll, we have tons of things we can give. Away. Yeah, but we'll 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 shoot a prize if if you come up with a good name for these one off segments. Yeah, uh, that that uh, yeah, we'll send you. So something. we yeah, we'll we've just something. given you a lot of homework. We need you to tell us what books you read, what <laughs> yes. what books you we you think that we should read, um, and then we need a name for this because we don't want people to not be able to find it later if they don't know the name so yes but with that we're we're about wrapped up so uh how how long do we go fran about a half an hour okay so about yeah, 30 minutes so that's perfect that's what we were aiming for maybe even a little bit longer than we were aiming for yeah but, so with that we want to thank you guys for joining us on native plants healthy planet i'd love to give a big thank you to Stephen marr for contributing our theme music you can follow us on twitter at pineland nursery facebook at pinelands nursery nj Instagram at Pinelands Nursery and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, don't forget, we have the question and answer line. Call us at 215-346-6189. Ask us a question or leave a comment. If we pick your question or comment, we'll play it on the air and answer it on a future podcast. And let's not forget the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. 
uh, we'll keep that conversation going over there. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we gave you a lot of homework. We're expecting yes. some, some, some feedback, please. Yeah. So um, you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews go a long way in helping us. Five-star only. Yeah. (laughs) They're the only ones. The other stars don't work. So um, you can also listen on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast. There's all, when we look at the charts, there's all kinds of services I didn't even know existed. We're we're, we're being listened to on like 30 different services so yeah. we're we're on everything and last you can ask alexa to play the native plants healthy planet podcast just like i do when i'm washing the ditches dishes at home and uh and cleaning up the house so yeah, yeah. it's the uh the other day i was driving to my fiance's house and i was listening to the podcast and you said you could just ask alexa to play the native <laughs> and i had my kindle in the car with me and it's like i'm sorry you're not connected to the internet (laughs) it worked i've I've been hoping that worked someplace it it worked but but with that thanks everyone again or thanks again everyone i'm tom and i am fran thanks again and we will see you next time until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.